Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. One of the most humble men to ever stand behind the sacred desk was H. Rob French. This sermon was preached decades ago at Seabreeze Camp Meeting in Hope Sound, Florida, and he titles it, The Lost Coin, The Lost Sheep, The Lost Son. I know you'll enjoy this wonderful sermon. Keep passing it on and on. Without Thee we can do nothing. Our feeble efforts will be wasted time unless the blessed Holy Spirit directs and unctionizes and we would just yield ourselves unreservedly to the blessed Holy Spirit. We would like to say something that would exalt our Savior tonight. We would like to say something that would mean something to people in time and in eternity. We thank Thee that we can still have camp meetings. We can still have services like this tonight. We're not behind the Iron Curtain. We're not like millions of people are without their liberty and their privileges. We want to make the most of them. We pray that each one of us will fit into this campaign just the place that thou hast arranged for us to fill. Don't let us shirk responsibility or shift, but help us each one to feel that we're soldiers in this great conflict, this great battle. We're not here to glorify ourselves or glorify man. We're here to glorify thee and to finish the work which thou hast given us to do. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're reading from the 15th chapter of St. Luke. St. Luke chapter 15. This is a very familiar chapter, and we'll read just part, a few verses here and there. Let's begin to read with verse 1, Luke 15 and 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. The Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I wonder what that means, anyhow. I wonder in one place here in the chapter, it speaks about the presence of the angels. I wonder if the saints of God are rejoicing over the victories won in this camp meeting. I wonder how much they know about it. As I read my Bible and pray about it, I believe they know more about what's going on, perhaps than we realize. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Saints that have gone home to glory from this camp used to attend this camp meeting looking over the battlements, rejoicing because sinners are coming home. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. When she had found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the 
peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner the repentant. And he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields, fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks of the swine to eat and no man gave unto him. I don't know how far we'll get in the chapter tonight. We may have cause to read a few more verses. But I think we have before us here three types of backsliders. There's various interpretations given to these parables. We have first the wandering sheep, and second the woman with the lost coin, and finally the willful son. Now I think this wandering sheep rather represents what I am pleased to term the unintentional backslider. I don't think it suggests anything like rebellion on the part of this sheep, stubbornness perhaps, but here's the little sheep with the flock and it begins to graze and there's a tempting tuft of glass, grass out there and it keeps on going, eating and wandering and attracted by something. And the first thing you know, it wanders out so far it can't hear the voice of the shepherd. And you know this is a day of wandering. A lot of people don't deliberately backslide. They don't make up their mind to do it. They're not rebellious against God in a sense. But they begin to wander from their devotions. Are we faithful in our devotional life? I found it out to my own satisfaction. If you haven't found it out, I'll tell you about it. You can't neglect the means of grace. You can't neglect your devotions and keep the victory. Just can't be done. I proved that out. I'd like to see a crowd of people. You know, I've wanted to see a camp meeting. Maybe we're right here to see it. Well, there's as many people in the morning prayer meeting as there is at the breakfast table. Do you have a bigger stomach than your soul? Are you as hungry for spiritual food? as you are for natural food. I'm not saying anything against eating meat and potatoes, but I believe we've got to take time off in this nervous haste and busy rush to take care of our souls. I'd rather have a healthy soul and a weak, sickly body than to have a healthy body and a weak, sickly, shriveled up soul. No, you can't neglect the Word of God. This is our meat and drink. Somebody has poetically said prayer is the Christian's vital breath. You can't hold your breath long and live. And do you know there's a lot of people getting careless and just kind of wandering away? A man right here in Pennsylvania said to me, I thought it was a typical case. He said, here it is for the French. I get up in the morning. I have an urge to pray. I know I ought to pray. I want to pray. But he said, there's a newspaper and there's something interesting. And I glance at the headlines, and then I read a paragraph or two, and then the telephone rings, and I answer the telephone, and then the doorbell rings, and I look at the clock, and it's time to go to my work at the factory. And I hurry out with my, out my morning meal. He was backslid, and you backslide if you do that too. Down the road without being fortified to meet the devil, he'll meet you somewhere with a temptation, and you'll go down. Friends, I'd rather do anything on earth than to neglect the means of grace for the betterment of my soul. Prayer, reading the Word of God, prayer meeting, camp meeting. <clears throat> well, we can wander from our convictions, don't you know? I believe that God gives every born-again soul divine convictions. 
and how the salvation of our soul and our home in heaven depends upon our loyalty to those God-given convictions. Now, I'm going to tell you something else that I didn't intend to say, but you will have to let your light shine or it'll go out. Did you know that? I don't know how people can sit in a worldly church with worldliness all around them and put their light under a bushel and come out with a clear conscience. I didn't intend to say that. But you know, Annie Coon tells about when she was in the Methodist church, she said every once in a while the Lord had put it on her to get up and tell her experience. And she'd tell how the Lord delivered her from worldliness and jewelry and why they squirm like worms and hot ashes, but she'd pour it on. They didn't like it. They liked to run around, but she kept the victory in her soul. I think I told you about going into Father Divine's meeting one time, and you sit in there and just look around, curious, and the first thing you know, something gets a hold of you. My first impulse, I said, I've got to do something here. I can't sit without a protest. You know, we're Protestants, but we've lost the protest. We just swallow everything that comes along. Drift to the tide. Come down to a common level. I can't do that. And I was sitting there, and they were worshiping Father Divine. What do you think about that? I suppose you've been to his meetings. I suppose he's dead now. But anyhow, I thought, well, I'll get up. And then I didn't feel clear to do that. And so finally I turned and said to a man behind me, I said, do you believe this man is God? He said, I know he's God. I said, you're deceived. He said, you shut your mouth. I said, you're deceived. I was in a good humor. I wasn't mad. He said, I told you to shut your mouth. I said, I told you you're deceived. <laughs> My brother said, they'll put you out. I said, let them put me out. I'll have a clear conscience. I don't know what you fellas are going to do that are putting your light under a bushel. Well, there's a fellow nearby. I said, now, don't bother him. He hasn't got the light yet. He was talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, friends, I know we have to adjust some things if we get off the wrong end, but I tell you tonight, it does me a lot of good. I'm an old man now. I'm going down the western slope. I'm in the gloaming. But I believe I can say from the bottom of my heart I have the same convictions that God gave me way back there when I swept into the kingdom on a wave of gloaming. People have changed, and the seasons have changed, and the wind changes, and the style changes, but I'm heading toward the celestial city. Hallelujah. I want you to know that. <laughs> Wandering away from our duties, are you faithful to your responsibilities? It's the responsibility of every parent, father and mother, to have family prayer with their children. Why, brother, there's enough devil and world and demons out there. There are only some place where they receive help and encouragement. Don't let the family order go down if everything else goes to pieces. My mother was a warrior from the top of her head to the sole of her feet. And she said, if everything else goes down, we're going to have family prayer here. And she said something else. We're not going to have a formal family prayer. We're going to have the fire burning on our family altar. And John Clement says it takes them half the day to have morning prayer and half the night to have evening prayer. Well, it'll pay you to do that, to get a little fire on the altar. What much danger of your children wandering out and buying forbidden fires like the sheep did. If they have the holy fire. Why, that was the, they were revival meetings. Did you know that? Brother, when we had family prayer, we had revival meetings. <laughs> Mother preached the law, and my father preached the gospel. And we had an altar service. But that's a sad thing to think about it. They got so far away, they couldn't hear. This little sheep couldn't hear. Did you ever hear the shepherd's call? That's one of the most beautiful, melodious things. They cupped their hands, they practiced it, and they can call to the voice. Sounds across the valley and hits the mountain peak. And it goes back. We were going along in Palestine, and here came a shepherd followed by a flock of sheep. Oh, it was interesting to me. 
We decided to stop. Somebody wanted to take a picture of the shepherd and his sheep. And he was a little scared. He was a Bedouin, swarthy-skinned fella. And he gave a little word, and those sheep stood at attention, just like soldiers. I don't think they even put their foot down. Some of them had lifted their foot. They stood just as they were. And when he found out what we wanted, he gave another word. And they relaxed and went to eating grass around. The shepherd was calling this lost sheep, but this little sheep couldn't hear the voice of the shepherd. And people say to me, Brother Frank, God doesn't talk to me about those things. Maybe you're too far away. Maybe you can't hear his voice. He lost so much. We can't tarry there. Maybe we're tarrying too long. But he lost the fellowship of the flock. Let's talk about it in language like that. I'll tell you one thing, friends. I've determined in my soul. I've been in foreign countries. I've been far away from Christians. And I'll tell you, you meet somebody that has old-time religion, you won't feel like criticizing them or running down. Hunger for fellowship. I've determined that nothing will separate me from the love of God in the first place. And secondly, nothing will separate me from the fellowship of God's people. They try me sometimes, and I try them. Iron sharpeners are iron, and we try one another. But bless God, we can love one another. And love can cover the multitude. I'm not talking about compromise. I'm talking about love. Hallelujah. Now we're going to depart for, from the literal translation. Uh, interpretation, perhaps, of this second parable here. The woman of the lost coin, of course, she represents evidently another type of a, back, of a backslider. But I believe it has another meaning. Womanhood in the Bible, as you know, is a type of the church. And I think of this woman as a type of the church. Now, she lost the coin. As I read the context, I feel like there's a deeper meaning than just a piece of money that she's lost. I can't prove it. I got some information when I was in the Holy Land, but I believe that was her heritage. That was her dowry. They have ten pieces of, on a string, and that was a proof of her virginity, her chastity. No wonder she's desperate. Why? Of course, she was very poor, and naturally she'd want to find, but I can't imagine finding a little piece of money. As small as that was, she'd call in her neighbors and have a big rejoicing time. There's a deeper significance than that to me. There's a question of her virginity and her chastity, and she's desperate to find her coin. Brother, you and I have a wonderful heritage. Oh, aren't you happy tonight that we're privileged to live in this glorious Holy Ghost dispensation? I've been telling you folks all over this country, Pentecost stands out to me like a beacon light. Why, those disciples faced almost as dark a picture as you and I face. There was tyrannical, corrupt, idolatrous Rome. What could a few suntanned fishermen do? And there was hypocritical, uh, tyrannical Judaism. But brother, they tarried in the upper room. Oh. And the Holy Ghost came. The Holy Ghost fell. That's a Bible expression. And I like it. I'd like to have the Holy Ghost fall on us tonight, wouldn't you? What would happen if the Holy Ghost would fall on the church again as it fell in the upper room? How oh, there's a lot of fanaticism in the country, but don't let the fanatics scare you out of the genuine. Let's cling to the genuine. And the Holy Ghost fell and blasted out channels through the Roman Empire and apostate Judaism, and those disciples went out through those channels to evangelize the whole then-known world. Brother, if we could have another Pentecost, it would change the complexion of the world overnight. I feel like it. 
If we could just get a crowd that's not too busy and in too big a hurry could tarry for these ten days. Some of you are homesick already, I guess, aren't you? I want to watch. Well, I'm so homesick. One pastor's wife said, I'm so anxious to get back home and hear the pigs squeal. Well, I said, go back and live with the pigs then. Brother, I'm not homesick only for this, to see a mighty demonstration of God Almighty's power that will change the moral and the political complexion of this country. Do you believe God can do it? Are we limiting by lack of faith? Now let's talk about that coin. Have we lost the fervency of love that belongs to God's anointed people? Brother, I should say, divine love is the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing we can talk about, my friend. The power, the dynamic power of the love of God. What caused those disciples, those spirit-filled apostles, to forget themselves? It wasn't money. It wasn't fame. They got into jail. They were beaten. They were died, died martyrs, but they kept on blazing a trail across the frontiers of the Roman Empire until Justin Martyr, not too long after Pentecost, said, Go where you will in the wide world, the then known world. You'll hear people singing the songs of Zion and testifying to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Brother, we haven't matched that. The church has never matched that. First, since that record of first century Christianity, she has never matched it. And it seemed like we're retreating farther and farther from the upper room. Oh, God help us tonight. It was love that drove Stephen to die for his Lord. He could have said many things without saying what he did say. Why, his face! was like the face of an angel. And I gather as I read that seventh chapter, they sat with rapt attention. Why, he was holding them spellbound. Before he closed that powerful message, he turned on them and said, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised and heart and ears. We hear so much about positive preaching today. We ought to leave the negative preaching alone. That doctrine was born in hell, my friend. You can't have a great positive, but what you have it founded upon a negative. I don't want to talk about that tonight so much. But anyhow, they gnashed on him with their teeth, and he died. I want to shake his hand when they get to heaven. The first martyr of the Christian era. What made him do it? burning hot love of his heart was driving him on to give his all for Jesus. Oh, what caused the Apostle Paul? I put it this way in one of the camp meetings I was in, conference camp. I don't know. Brother Van Mormon, I suggested, suppose the conference was in session and all the churches had been filled, supplied with pastors, but free. And here's the delegate from these three churches. And so there, well, we've got three preachers. Now, you'll have to stretch your imagination to follow me here. But these three are left. We'll say Jesus Christ, first John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, and the Apostle Paul. Now, can you imagine a pulpit supply committee and the delegates there and say, you can have your choice. Now, here's Jesus Christ. Sometimes he preaches us a trait. One time he drove all the members away but twelve. We don't want him. We want somebody to build up the church. <laughs> and when the... Uh, well, maybe that's enough said. We'll have to hurry on. But anyway, that's Jesus. Well, here's John the Baptist. Now, he is a wonderful preacher... And he's a godly man, but uh, the pastor's union came down to pay him compliments one time, 
And he turned on them and said, Old generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? No, we don't want him, brother. We want our church well thought of in the community. We couldn't afford And he, he got after the king because he had the wrong life. And there's a lot of people got the wrong life, brother. If you bore down on that, I'll tell you, you'll stir up a mess. Don't you think you won't? And don't you think that John the Baptist didn't have sense enough and tact enough to know that, but he was preaching for God. And he said, you've got the wrong woman. And he's in jail right now. But we're hoping he'll get out. And if you'll call him, we'll see what we can do to supply him with John the Baptist. How many churches in the Allegheny Conference would want John the Baptist? You're awful quiet around here. Well, here's Paul. Now, he's a jailbird. He hardly gets out of jail till he gets... We don't want a fellow like that, pastor of our church. He'll have a revival or a riot. No thing we want things to roll on smooth. Well, they're going smooth in most places. And sometimes we're gliding downhill. God have mercy. Oh, what caused the apostle Paul to get out of one dungeon and preach again and get in another one? To have a beating and then get out and beat another. He tells us the love of Christ constrained us. I'm something in me. I fell in love with Jesus Christ on the way to Damascus. And it keeps me going through prison cells and through beating. Ah, have we lost that fervency of love? Wouldn't you like to see church members fall in love with Christ? I think the most sickening thing I ever heard was for a lady to get up and say, you know, I love the Lord with all my heart. And I happen to be the pastor. I say to her, sister, we missed you at prayer meeting last Wednesday night. Oh, Brother French, it's a little damp, you know. And when I get my feet damp, I catch cold. Does that sound like loving the Lord with all your heart? One old lady said, I like to go to church, but it hurts my muscles to walk uphill. <laughs> and she said, it's uphill all the way there and uphill all the way back. God, what's the matter? Love is gone. We're starting with a form without the power, without the real thing. Or could it be a loss of power? Friends, let's not be too reticent upon this point. I'm afraid we recoil from the thought of power, but Jesus didn't. I'm talking about spiritual power. I know there's a lot of counterfeit and sham, but I'm not going to let them defeat me. Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Oh, these things interest me in my own thinking and my own study. Ha. Ah. What did he say? And they went forth and preached everywhere. Are you preachers listening to me? I'm preaching more to H.R. French on this point than I am to you. They went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord, Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Brother, what we need in this camp meeting is not so much eloquent sermons and logical sermons. We need the confirmation of the mighty power of God. That's what Elijah had on Mount Carmel. He didn't go up there to have a debating society. He didn't go up there to talk the things over with the prophets of Baal. He just challenged them. The God that answers by fire, we'll recognize. And God Almighty came, the fire fell, and I'll tell you, those folks couldn't do anything else. They had to fall on their faces. I believe it's time we were challenging the forces of evil. They're challenging us. We're fighting with a back to the wall. Let's get on the offensive. Let's wait on God here till he gives us a fresh downpour of power and victory and anointing till we can challenge the world. Hallelujah. You know, I share with you, I told them somewhere else, I share with all of you the guilt that I feel because of the advance of modernism, skepticism, atheism. Why is it 
Some of them have never seen anything supernatural in the religious circles in which they move. And, brother, we're not going to convince them by conventions and arguing the thing and blowing about it. I mean professing high. You know, the heathen, the missionaries are saying they're meeting it over in the foreign field. You say your Christ rose from the dead. How do we know? We can't take your mere word. Show us whether he's alive or not. I don't blame them. If Jesus Christ has rose from the tomb and lives today, we ought to be able to demonstrate his living power. Hallelujah. Am I going overboard here? I don't know. God help us here. With all friends. It's astonishing how the world has stepped back and looked when God begins to move in a supernatural way. And they'll have to say, in spite of all they've been taught in the school, that's God. I don't know whether Brother Yoakum ever told you about the healing of his wife, but it's been a blessing to me. In the meeting in Columbia, Missouri, she'd come back from Jamaica in a terrible condition. She'd gone to a specialist in Kansas City, and he said, we are going to try and bring you through without an operation. And after laboring for some time, he said, we'll have to have an operation. There's no other way. She stepped out and said, I believe the Lord wants to heal me. Brother Roy was a pastor, and he anointed her. We prayed together. She got up. She said, I don't have any special. I feel warm in my heart. But she wasn't going on feeding. She was going on the eternal word of God. Hallelujah. That'll never fail, friend. And she went out and said, praise God. I've taken God's word. I've obeyed him. In minute detail, I've followed the instructions there. And I believe God healed me. Well, the doctor summons him to results. He didn't know anything about that. And on the way, she said, husband, pray hard. I'm suffering awful pain. And she said she could feel something just like her flesh tearing. So they got in and sat down. The doctor wasn't quite ready. And when he called her, put her under the x-ray and gave her a third examination, he said, lady, it's a miracle. It's marvelous beyond my comprehension. Something's happened to you. You're sound as a dollar. There's nothing wrong with you, sister. Well, she said, how about the adhesions? They're all gone, every one of them. There isn't an adhesion left. He said, can you tell me what has taken place? She said, I can, sir. We've been even anointing with oil. Now, Bud Robinson says, it depends on who you live closest to, who you send for you when you get sick. He said, if you live closer to the drugstore, you send for the drugstore. <laughs> or the drugs in the store. If you live closer to Christ, you'll call on him. Why, it's getting quiet around here. I don't know. Have you folks forgotten how to say amen, or is this an amen point? I don't know. <laughs> Why, he said, you can go back to the field. All you need is a little rest. You're all right. Go home and rest. But sometime afterwards, he summoned to his office again. She said, I wonder what on earth he's asking me to come. She said to her husband when they were going the first time, I want that great physician, that great surgeon's testimony to the healing power of my Christ. You pray. Well, when she came in, there was a younger intern just out of medical college full of the devil and skepticism and infidelity and everything that goes with it. Leave it to these professors, brother. They can, they can just about kill any spark of love or faith you have in your heart. You listen to He said, I want you to take this lady in and give her a third examination. He wasn't gone too long. He came out indignant and said, what on earth did you want me to examine this woman for? There's nothing wrong with her. She's as sound as a dollar. Well, he said, I wanted to tell you something. Now, these folks believe in anointing and pray. Here's the x-ray before they prayed. Here's your x-ray after they prayed. I just wanted you to see something here. Now, they anointed with oil and prayed. And the Lord healed her. Brother, I'll tell you, that young intern looked like he was going to be shot. He couldn't talk. He couldn't argue. He couldn't do anything. He just couldn't stand. What's the matter? Here's a demonstration of God Almighty's power. 
that they can't out-talk or out-reason. I want God to confirm the preaching of this camp meeting here with signs following, something taking place. The greatest miracle is the salvation of a soul. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if some old drunk or some old bum would stagger in here and get old-time religion and go out to witness to the world that Jesus Christ is alive? How did the world know he's alive? It's just a dogma. It's a notion, you fellas, propagating. You try to preach about it. How do we know about it? But when they see souls transformed, when they see the mighty miracles of God, they have to sit up and take notes. I'm interested in that. I tell the Lord alone on my knees, I said, Lord, what I want is thy confirmation. Confirm the word with signs following. Right along that line, while we're talking about it, let's talk a little more about faith. It might be we've lost the fervency of faith. Now, friends, this is a serious subject. It's becoming more serious to me every day. People say, well, I'm weak in faith. Then don't get ready for the rapture. By faith, Enoch was translated. It's going to take a powerful faith to pull us off the ground when Jesus comes. And some of us will miss the rapture because our faith is weak. Now, faith will weaken, brother, if you don't exercise it. If you don't use it, it'll dry up on your hands just like the muscles of your body will disappear. Nature has a way of eliminating anything we don't use. That's right. What are you looking that way for? I know that soul. That's how I come to lose my hair. <laughs> I wore a hat so much. Don't need hair when you've got a hat on. That's the reason some of you got... What do you get? Where'd you get them? Sheridan Roebuck, false teeth. That's the reason you got false teeth. You haven't been using them. Well, you never heard of an old tiger having to have a bridge put in his mouth. Well, he, he's using his teeth. And we're chewing post-toasties and puffed rice. Wheaties. <laughs> Nothing to do. And that's happening in the church spiritually. We don't use our faith. We've got everything else to lean on. We've got the white cross and the blue cross and the red cross and the purple cross and about everything else going. And do you know, now I'm not up here, I'm not dogmatic, I'm not telling you what to do or what not to do. Mrs. French went to the hospital and I haven't got over it yet. <laughs> but you know what? Some people have hospitalization. And I don't say that wrong. But it just looks like dismissing the Lord. Now, Lord, if I have a case where I need to be hospitalized, I'll be cared for because I've got my hospitalization paid for. And they're going to take care of me so I won't need you. <laughs> I don't know what's the matter with this crowd here tonight. I thought... <laughs> but I'll tell you this. Our faith is drying up on our hands because we're not using it. Brother, you better get out somewhere where you don't have anything to depend on and you have to call on God and God performs a miracle and supplies your needs. I've, I've got to be a little more specific than that. People come around, well, Brother Frank, how would you advise me to launch out on what line and what to do? I say, I don't know. That's between you and God. But I'm a little more presumptuous now. I say, well, here's a good way to start out. Just give all your week's wages to the Lord this week and then live by faith. That's right. We budget everything. We've got our budget figured out. We don't give anything that'll pinch us or hurt us. We just got the thing budgeted out that we know, and we're not trusting God for finances or health or anything else, are we? And when we get an emergency and need help, our faith has withered and wilted like the man that comes to the synagogue in the second chapter of Acts. I don't think you'll do it, but I'm giving you good advice. Try it sometime. Well, it might be like Dr. Scroggy over in England when he resigned his church and went down to give the notice to the newspaper. That editor, that big daily newspaper, said, Dr. Scroggy, what are you going to do now? He said, I'm going to trust the Lord. And very seriously, he said, don't you think that's risky business? Well, we act like it. You say, I tried that one time. Well, how'd you come out? I missed several meals. That was good for you. 
The Lord knows as a good dietitian. When I get where I don't get anything to eat, I think, well, bless God. He sees my body and sees I need to fast a while. That's good for your physical. He's a wonderful dietitian. Why, he, he cooked two meals for Elijah and he didn't eat any more for 40 days. Brother, all the vitamins from A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, R, P, Q, R, S, they were all in there. How do you know? A fellow went 40 days on two meals. You let the Lord feed you and I'll tell you, you haven't eaten anything yet. Praise the Lord! Oh, my. God lives tonight! He hasn't lost his power. His promises haven't been repealed. He still answers prayer. But we've got everything else to lean on and we don't need him. I'm getting reckless. I don't know what I'm going to do. You may turn me out, but bless God, I'm going to know there's a God in heaven that answers by fire. Praise the Lord. Say, let me, we're, we're hanging around here too long. But maybe we've lost the sovereignty or that exuberancy of joy and spiritual freedom that's about died out in the wholeness movement. Now, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. I'm still in thick in the text. Joy, oh my. Joy compared to fun is like mince meat, mince pies compared to mud pies. Which would you rather have? Don't you feel sorry for the world out there in the theaters and picture shows and skating rinks and ball, ball games eating mud pies when you and I can eat mint pies? Hallelujah. Friends, has the joy and the freedom of the Spirit died out on your soul? Well, one fellow said, Brother Frank, I've got low blood pressure and that'll take the shout out of you. It hasn't taken it out of me yet. <laughs> I can still say hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, I don't believe in so much demonstration. Well, what do you believe in? Why don't you go out and live in the tombstones? There's no demonstration out there. We're alive. Praise God. We've got the best thing this side of the gates of heaven. We belong to a crowd that shouts as loud as thunder. That's what John said. It rolled like thunder. How long has it been since some of you folks said amen back there? I believe it'd scare you. Try it once. See if its jaw squeak. Amen. Don't say amen. That stretches your face out long. That mine's long enough. Amen stretches out this way, you know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah! Holy be to God! We've got a lot to be thankful for! We can stand in the face of the blackening cloud and shout the high praises of the God that lives and answers prayer. I might have mentioned this, but I feel like stopping and telling you about it again. I know I did it. And I think I mentioned the Ohio camp. My mother was an old-fashioned shouter. I wish I could... And here's... We've got another one here. Sister Punnick, she... She keeps the ball rolling. But my mother, I'll tell you, she wouldn't let the devil tire down. Let me go back to that. Andy Coon said they had 300 people in the Methodist church sanctified. Mother, that's a big crowd. And oh, they had such service. They had freedom. Why did it run the aisle? Well, I don't believe in that. I do. I'd rather have somebody run the aisle than have snow and ice in the aisles like some churches have. Billy Sunday said you'd skate down the aisles and knock chandeliers from the icicles from the chandeliers. Some churches. Well, I've been in those cold churches. Hmm. And she said they sent him a new pastor. Oh, he was a policy kind of a fella. He was tactful. He didn't believe in he said, Still water runs deep. <laughs> no, still water stagnant, brother. <laughs> You don't run at all. <laughs> God, have mercy. <laughs> well, he said he was just as so tactfully trying to calm that fool. And Andy Coon realized it. Oh, she had a keen discernment. And she said, she just, she jumped up and said, Sir, 
to the pieces. If you'll give me a pencil and paper, I'll draw you with a picture of the harness you're trying to put on me. And brother, with that, the fire fell. <laughs> oh, they run the aisles and jumped and shouted, and he sat down and looked through his fingers. Did you ever see a preacher do that? Somebody, somebody's telling about a fellow that preached for 19 years and one little woman got converted. And she got converted right. It was in that frigid air, but she got through. And she shouted and praised God and he sat down and put his hands over his face. And somebody said, he's been sitting for 19 years and only hatched out one little pullet and he's ashamed of her when she's hatched out. shout when they don't feel like it. Who was that telling me about a man? He's just such an inspiration who's pastor to preach. He just sit there and just drink it in and amen and shout and get blessed. You know, a preacher likes that, I'll tell you. But somehow he came this day and he just looked like a thundercloud. Oh, he looked so blue and discouraged. And the pastor went home heavy-hearted and said to his wife, I'm afraid Bob Bill. Bill, did you notice how he acted today? Why, he'd never say amen. He was just quiet, and he looked so blue and discouraged. said, I'm going over to see him. I'm afraid he's going through a test, and I'm afraid he'll give up. And when he got close to the house, he heard somebody shouting. He got a little closer, and he heard him running and shouting. He knocked at the door, and he came to the door. Why, Bill, I can't tell you how glad I am. A mountain of stone has rolled off of me. I saw you under an awful cloud, and you were going through a dark tunnel. And now to see you shouting, I'm glad you got out of that tunnel. He said, I am not out of that tunnel. I'm still in there. But what are you shouting about? I'm shouting, thinking about how I'm going to feel when I do get out. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, my mother... The last time she was in a meeting, she and Annie Pike had a sassy around. I'll tell you, she was as graceful as my mother. When the Spirit of God would come on her, she'd just sail around like a bird. She and Annie Pike were shouting around, and she went home and laid down and went to heaven. I believe she never lost the keynote. She's still shouting in the glory world. But before she died... My brother left the church that he'd organized in the hands of Brother Mott. And Brother Mott has told me this twice, I think. And Brother Ward, I think, has told me once or twice. But anyhow, he said he was at St. John in Portland. And he said that night the church was filled with people and outsiders. And he said, oh, I believe we're in for a wonderful service. If Mother French don't come and shout and discuss these people, spoil the service, I believe we'll have a wonderful ingathering of souls. And I began to pray the Lord not to let my mother come. <laughs> but God didn't answer his prayer. <laughs> and in walked my mother and walked right up on the front seat. That was her seat, and that's my seat. Bless God, when I got old-time religion, brother, I pulled for the front seat. I don't know how about you folks getting away back there on the fringes. I like to sit up while the glory is coming down. Hallelujah! And she sat right down the front. Well, Brother Mott said, dear me, I'm up against it. What am I going to do? He said, I know what I'll do. I'll preach so quiet that she can't hear what I say. And she won't have anything to shout about. She's hard of hearing, you know. So he's kind of whispering his sermon, and Mother jumped up and just whirled around and shouted, Hallelujah, glory, and sat down. Oh, dear me, it has ears. I, I was afraid something like that was going to happen. When he gave the order call, almost. Is Mother Ward here? How many come that night? Most of the crowd, didn't they? Most of the crowd came to the altar. And sir, they popped through, he said, like popcorn. And he said, now testify. And they just jumped to their feet with beaming faces, and they seemed to be clear. Now, he said, I wish you'd tell me what part of my sermon that moved you. I know it helped me in my preaching, if you just give me that information. And they looked at him, and then they looked at one another. And then they looked back at him and looked at one another. 
And he insisted, now tell me please, that would help me in my preaching and arrange me in my sermons just to tell you what affected you and brought... He said, Brother Mott, we hardly heard a word you said tonight. But when Mother French got up with a shining face and the glory of soul, we said, that's what we want. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If I thought some folks around here had religion and it was catching, I'd want to be quarantined. I wouldn't want to catch it. Hallelujah! Joy! Joy, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Freedom of the Spirit. Hallelujah! Promptings of the Spirit. Oh, friends, maybe we ought to. But I would like to just say a few words, not only about the fruits of the Spirit, but the ministry of the Spirit. Have you thought about the ministry of the Spirit? What is it? Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Shall. Did it mean that you are empowered to be witnesses only, but you will be witnesses. The fire in your soul will make you a witness. Now we have to organize and get everything and teach them how, well, maybe some, there's some merit to those things, but brother, I believe we ought to have enough fire on the inside. We want to witness when we go down the street. We may not speak to everybody, but every once in a while, somebody will come along and we'll speak to them about their soul. Oh, what a wasted ministry that is. So few witnessing to, what's the matter? They don't have the fire on the inside, that's all. It'll automate, automatically make you a witness wherever you are. In the shop, the store, on the street every once in a while, some opportunity will come. Did I tell you about that girl sitting in her comfortable home? Fire burning bright. And I recall it was a chilly night. She was enjoying the fire and the comfortable chair. And the Spirit said, go out on the porch and sing near my God to thee. I want the Holy Ghost to talk to me more than he does. She said, that seems like a silly thing to do, but I know that's the voice of the Spirit. She reached for her coat, I believe in hat, walked out in the darkness of the night and sang against the wind, Near my God to thee. She came back in and said, oh, that seems so foolish. But I don't know. I know it was God's voice. Knock at the door, and there stood a man, very much agitated, and he said, Could you by any chance tell me who sang the song tonight? Near my God to me. She very modestly said, I sang it on the porch here a while ago. I want to shake your hand. Do you remember the double funeral we had? A mother and her daughter buried at the same time. Oh, I remember that very well, said the young lady. That was my wife and daughter. And the grief of my heart got so heavy tonight. I felt I could stand it no longer. I said, life isn't worth living. And I walked into the bathroom and got the razor and was about to pull it across my throat when I heard, near my God to thee. And he said, that was my wife's favorite song. The Lord knows how to do, do it. And I, my first thought, my wife has come back to sing to me, to bring me a, bit, a little comfort. No, he said, that's not my wife's voice, but that's her song. And he said, conviction seized my heart, and I knelt on the bathroom floor, and the Lord wonderfully saved me, and I want to shake your hand and thank you for singing the song. Brother, it's a romance to work for Jesus. Young people, it's a romance to serve the Lord. When we get to heaven and the records are open, we'll wish maybe if possible. We could come back and live our life over again. What is the ministry of the Spirit? He's the ministry. He's the intercessor. We know not what to pray for, as we all said, the inspired apostle. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession. And friends, you can mark it down whenever the Holy Ghost moves into your temple to take up possession. He will automatically make you an intercessor. And that's what this whole world needs. It's staggering on the vortex of bankruptcy and communism and Roman Catholicism. There's some intercessors. There's enough of us here, friends, 
to keep this thing going around the clock. Day and night storming the gates of heaven. Shall not God avenge his own elect that cry day or night unto him? Though he bear along with them, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. And I can't help but feel there's something moving in heaven. God's getting ready to do something. This old world is so solid and broken and sunk so low. I was struck the other day with the words that Peter said about Sodom. He speaks about Sodom. God spared not Sodom and made them an ensample to those that will come after and live ungodly. I wonder how many Americans read that. To the awful destruction of lustful, wicked Sodom is a warning to the United States. And every sin that is committed in Sodom is committed right here in this community, in the towns around here making them an example to those who would come after. I'm not quoting it verbatim, but live on God. And friends, take another word out of that passage. Maketh intercession for us with groanings. I don't know. A lost coin. Why, why did we lose that coin? Can you tell me? It's the grief of my life. I'm the loneliest preacher you ever saw on that point. I can remember preaching when two or three, four or five would be dying almost in soul travail. It's hardly ever witnessed anymore. We've lost a coin somewhere. Oh, but that's the Holy Ghost grieved and insulted. It wouldn't be tolerated and many holiness churches that, oh my God, if he could come back to lay soul to me on my heart and your heart. I was telling him, I think, in the Ohio camp about Ray Brown. He'd been wonderfully saved. He was a young man with a family, but he had, was a quite outstanding young man. And it moved the town when they heard that Ray Brown was saved. But he got under a burden for his father. And he went back. His father was standing in the Sunday school room back there. They had the doors open. And he invited him to come to the altar. And he didn't come. I can see Ray now. He was a tall, slender young man. And he staggered down the aisle just like he was drunk. And he slumped at the altar. I didn't know what he said. I found out afterwards. He said, I'll never leave this church till my father gets saved. He was a young convert. We thought maybe he'd gone a little too far. Maybe he'd made a rash vow. But some of them stayed till 4 o'clock. I went back, I think, 1.30, went to the parsonage, 1.30. The next morning, the pastor said, Ray's still over at the church. I don't know whether he's made a rash vow or not. But he says he won't leave the church till his father gets saved. I guess we better go and have our prayer with him this morning. I said, certainly. My heart was heavy. And I went into church and knelt down under pressure. We hadn't prayed long till I heard somebody moving around and the atmosphere began to clear. I knew something was happening. So they came over and whispered to me and said Ray's father didn't sleep either last night. He was an awful wicked man. He got up and poured out his liquor. And... He just rolled and tumbled, get up and do something, make a rest or two, and then he'd go back to bed. And the morning called up Ray's home, and they said, Ray isn't here. Well, where is he? He's at the church. Well, what's he doing at the church? He's praying. Well, how long has he been there? He's been there all night. Well, tell him he won't have to pray much longer. I'm going to do some of my own praying. I'll be in as quick as I can get there. <laughs> Oh, brother, when the, he's a big, tall fellow. When that man bolted in the door, pulling off his overcoat a cold day, he said, is Ray here? He said, I'm here, Dad. He said, I'm here too, boy. He said, you've prayed long enough. It's time for me to do some praying. And that man and his wife got gloriously saved. I tell you, I just felt like I wanted to go to heaven bodily. I don't know. <laughs> Such a victory. How do you come forth? Through the night hours and the wee hours of the morning, in soul agony, groaning out his very life for his father. 
And his father felt the impact of it. Sinners will feel the impact. When you and I get under the burden, they'll feel conviction. They won't be any more convicted than we're under the burden. That determines how heavy their conviction will be. Well, let's just close here with a few words. Pardon me for... But I wish I had a broom here. But you know this woman gets a broom. What would you think that broom is? Oh, might be humility and confession and truth. And she's sweeping the house. If I had a broom here, I'd make these women turn up their noses here. I'd stir the dust of this old carpet. What's it on? I'm looking for a lost coin. Why doesn't the dust accumulate fast? Dust of formality. Don't you get tired grinding out religion? Going to church and coming home like a door on its hinges. Sweep away the dust of formality and complacency and indifference. She's stirring the dust. And I tell you something else. I believe she's stirring the furniture around. Ha ha! My, my. Ho! There's in the prayer closet. How much dust has accumulated in your prayer closet? Or do you have one? Hmm? Hi, a lot of people, brother. <laughs> they haven't been systematic in their prayer life so long. The dust has accumulated across the years. But she's, maybe it's in the prayer closet. Maybe it's in here. Well, I've been neglecting to pray. Maybe that's where I lost it. Oh, there's a television. I imagine she, did she have one? <laughs> she stirred something around. Maybe a lot of people, a Baptist man told me that's where I lost it, Mr. Frank. I wasn't, we weren't talking about this, but he said, I said, I'm going to control it. He said, I didn't, nobody else did. Said, I found it weaning me away from the Bible, my prayer, my devotion, my concern. Think of a Baptist talking like that. Said, I got rid of her, Brother Frank. You might find it in the wardrobe, huh? Too much Hollywood in there. Not enough holiness. God help us. You know, friends, if Jesus has come tonight, he's not looking for Hollywood imitators. He's looking for saints. Oh, my! Fire! But she's stirring things. She's determined to find... I should have said she... She lighted a light. She got a light. I thank God for divine light. I wouldn't be surprised if you don't have preachers in this conference that will run from this camp meeting for fear they might get a little more light. Brother, I'm looking for light. I want divine light. I'll travel a long ways to hear a preacher that will give me new light. I want to make it true. Oh! My, my. She lights a candle. If you want to find the lost kind, you'll have to get the light. Search around in the deep corners there. You'll find something somewhere. Why, you know, out in... Well, I shouldn't say, maybe. But I'll tell you, she was an outstanding laywoman. Her, her brother was a, one of the big top fellows. She come out to the daily prayer meeting and uh, we had a little confession meeting and somebody, the pastor's wife, got up and said, I just feel like going around to everybody and ask them to forgive me. Ask them if they have anything. Yes. She come to this woman. Isn't this? She was an official. Yes. I have got something against you. And she spewed out some of her self-pity and childishness and babyishness. It was disgusting. She talked on so long that I finally said, Sister's good for her. And brother, I upset the apple cart. She was too big to take that. But you know, she went home and she come back the next day and I'm telling you, if she didn't shut that meeting on fire, she said, you know what? I was in the head all night. I didn't realize I was so backslid. I didn't realize how far I had drifted from God. Oh, she said, think of me here in this church, an official, and backslid at heart. God put me in hell last night. You can't tell me the torture. I suffered the tortures of the damned. She went through that college the next night. You should have seen those professors. She said, friends, we've got to wake up. We'll land in hell. Think of it here. Here I am professing everything. And backslid at heart. God had to put me in hell. What was it like? Like, thank God we can find the coin. We'll have to quit.
David said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I believe he got it. The Ephesian church, repent, or else I will remove the candlestick. Aren't you glad we can find the lost coin? Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. Maybe I've talked a little over time here. But friends, what do you say we close this service with prayer? Let's come to the honest, just like I, I'm going to do tonight, with an honest heart. Lord, what's gone out of my life? Has faith simmered down? Have I lost the fervency of love? Do I have the power that belongs to this glorious baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire? Is the ministry of the Holy Ghost evident in my life? Let's search around and see if we've lost if we've broken the chain. How many would like to pray before you go? Come on. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA.